Well, welcome to another edition of Northern Conversations. My name is John Jurisic. I'm with Kelly Darwin. Kelly, how are you? I'm fantastic, John. How are you? Well, I'm I'm really great. This podcast has uh, garnered a ton of interest. We didn't mm-hmm. realize how fascinating folks are with, with the stories, the Indigenous First Nations stories. So it became painfully obvious that we need to interview Adam Olson. Adam Olson, uh, hi Adam. I'm He's painful? right here. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite the segue. <laughs> painfully obvious that there were too many people asking us to do. Adam Olson and I have known each other for a while. Uh, when you were municipal councillor at Central Saanich. Right. You then became MLA for Saanich and the Islands, Gulf Islands, correct? Saanich North and the Islands. Saanich North and the Islands. Yep. Along the way to the races, you were you were well originally a member of the Green Party. I think you're the first, mem- the first MLA, the first MLA. No, no, Andrew Weaver got elected as the first Green uh, Provincial Green MLA. I was, I guess, probably the second. And you were interim leader. I was the interim leader. I am again. The interim, interim leader. leader. <laughs> <laughs> Always the interim leader. Well, boy, the party needs you. The party, the party, you've done an amazing job of, of when your party's in transition, you, you've been there for them. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's right. And you and I have kept in touch. That's right. And uh, lately, you've uh, been involved in some issues up north and up in northern BC. And so we wanted to chat with you about that today. Yeah, sure. Explain to folks maybe what they don't know, some education or what's going on. Because when I talk to folks, I hear a lot of, well, let, let, gee, there are 20 nations that want a pipeline to be built. Man, they need the jobs. Come on, let's go. Giddy up. And there's Adam Olson not entirely saying the opposite message, but you're saying a message. Yeah. And I think there needs to be a lot of clarity around what's well, going on. Yeah, and I mean, you change the channel and then you hear the opposite story. Right. right. So we're living in an age of you can pick the facts you want to hear. Yeah. So I think we're here today to hear a little bit more of a first-hand count. What's what's the real story? What's going on? And I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation, gentlemen, because I think um, there's a lot of... Uh, I'll just say there's a lot of information. And I think mm-hmm. to the point that you're making, it, there's a lot of information based on... You know, I, people can access the information that they want. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that uh, what's important is that uh, we kind of confront how we got to where we are with some honesty, uh, and that the only way that we are actually going to be able to improve the broader conversation that's going on in this province right now and the relationships uh, is is through honesty and is through. Um, maybe being able to hear some things that we don't want to hear uh, and and saying, okay, well, if, if that's the case, then we're going to have uh, to lean in and we've got some work to do uh, to get it to where we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that for the longest time, we've just pretended like everything's okay uh, and that the problems will go away. And we've realized in that, uh, and, and I guess I'm kind of speaking coded here, We've kind of taken the perspective that the, the challenges that the Indigenous, non-Indigenous relationships, the dis- very dysfunctional relationship which has been legislated, will just go away. And it hasn't. Court case after court case after court case has kept it in front of us. 
and to some cases made the problem more uh, a more sophisticated problem than there was uh, in the past. And uh, we owe it. Uh, I've always taken the position that we owe it to future generations that they don't inherit the problem that we've inherited. Right. And it, it's interesting. Like we we can say all that and. Th- all of that points to both pipelines right now that are in the news, right? Because Trans Mountain just went through the court case. We're talking about the Coastal Link. It's the same problem with both both projects, but on different levels. Yeah. So I mean, I think that uh, one of the one of the points that I often get asked about is the difference between hereditary leadership and uh, elected band councils. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used a couple of analogies in this. You know, the, the municipal government that I was initially on in Central Saanich is a legislative body through the provincial government, through the Local Government Act. Uh, it's, it's actually not a, really a level of government. It's a, it's a sub-level of the provincial government for, for all intents and purposes. Um, I don't choose to look at it that way. I think that local government's really important. Um, a form of government that uh, is, is the most... Um, uh, accountable to the people. Monday nights, you can go to your council meeting and, and talk to your local council. Um, oh, the, I think I think but, the, the the whole intent was that local people would be better able to serve the local issues around right. around the roads and 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 right. some of the water and some of the density issues that and, that wouldn't be able to be captured by a provincial voice. And it's also the kind of issues that you can talk about on a Monday and see in action on a Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. not provincial or federal where we're saying, well, in three years we're going to be yeah, completing yeah. this project. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. What I what I want to look at here is uh, the difference in in talking about the difference between the hereditary and the elected governments is that what's important is the band councils are a uh, were manufactured by the federal government. They didn't they historically they don't exist it, through the Indian Act. Indian Act bands were created to govern reserves. Indian Act Reserves. I grew up on one. Sartlip is a is an Indian Act Reserve. It is a it, it is a creation of the federal government. So when you when you know Indigenous nations, Indigenous people kind of look at the the, the types of government that that one that level of government is one that they see as as imposed on from for all intents and purposes imposed on from the, the federal government. Every indigenous nation in this province had a very sophisticated uh, indigenous governance. Governance. Mm-hmm. They had laws that governed how they operated. Um, in the creation of and and and, and they weren't same, eliminated. In the no, in well, the in the creation of a of a band council, the the other governance wasn't eliminated. Well, and in fact, the courts a lot have, of people don't know this. And the courts have <laughs> continued to upheld, uphold through various court decisions. The, they still have authority. The they, hereditary they, council well, governance, yes. Indigenous okay. law still has a standing. Mm-hmm. Right, in the indigenous it's part law. Of the, it's part yeah. of the legal framework of this country is, yeah. right. is indigenous laws. Yeah. So I think, uh, what, you know, when I was saying that, when I was saying... Uh, the analogy that I often use is like if you were to build a pipeline through uh, this province and only go and sign agreements with the municipalities and not talk to the province, do you think the province would have an issue with that? Mm. Do you think that the pipeline would be built if, if, the, if the company said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, province? 
We've signed agreements with all the municipalities, or most of the municipalities, if not all the municipalities along the route, but we didn't go through your approval process. Yeah. We didn't ask you for yeah. permits. Right. I think what's really important is that we, that we recognize that we're saying essentially the same thing by not engaging the hereditary leaderships. That, that, we, that they have, they, especially up in, the, in that area, I mean, Delkamuch is one of these landmark cases which fundamentally put us on the course that we're on to pass Bill 41 in the last, in the last fall uh, of se- session, where the Supreme Court of Canada has been consistently saying, politicians, you got to figure this out, because if it keeps coming to the courts, it's going to be a problem in terms of the future of this country. And so I think, you know, we're kind of kidding ourselves if, what we, if, if, if every time I read an article, it's like the hereditary chiefs say this, but 20 band councils have signed an agreement. We certainly would not accept that if it was uh, the provincial government is in opposition to this, but 22 um, local governments have signed agreements. It just simply wouldn't fly. And ask this question just because I don't know the mechanics of it, but the band council, they're elected by members of that band? Or are they appointed, or how does that? No, they're work? Ele- it's a it's a mm-hmm. d- democratic process. Yeah. Like my sister's on one of the band councils, and I and I think what's important is to not. This is not to undermine one, and and this is how it's often put. Oh, you know, and 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 people will look at this and say, oh, you know, Olson is undermining elected councils. No, I'm not here to undermine. My sister's on a uh, a chief and council that's elected through the Indian Act. They've done a great job for our community. And, and I have often said, and, and, I, and I believe this in my heart, that Indigenous leaders elected in that system are some of the most important and courageous leaders that we have in our province. Mm-hmm. They do more with less than any other leaders in our province. They are handed some of the absolute most devastatingly challenging uh, social issues than any communities in, in, in this province. So I am not here to undermine the, the substantively challenging position that those communities are, and those leaders are put under. I am simply saying it is wrong for us to say that this is good because of that. Right. We have to say that the situation that we're facing is more complex than that. It should not be simplified and it's actually the situation that we inherited today has been an oversimplification of a complex uh, of, a, of a complex relationship that that uh, that has existed over the past couple hundred years. But now, okay, okay. Well, then let's 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 dig into this a little bit, sure. uh, as opposed to even the the core issue of whether the pipeline should go through there or not. Mm-hmm. But let's just let's talk about the governance because really that's seems to be where some of most of the at least media reported conflict is coming from. And these, the confusion. Right, these two. So uh, are there demographic differences between the two governances? Are the hereditary leaders from an older generation, are they, are they generally different in age? Because when we do labor market work, or, or Kelly and I are interviewing companies, Often this notion of there's an older leadership that doesn't understand the young people that are yeah. working on the manufacturing line. And yeah. so this is not just unique to, to an indigenous population. So, so, I'm, so I'm really coming from 
is is can we can we represent the scenario up in the north like that that the hereditary leaders are generally older and potentially band council members are younger and there's some culture clash happening here um is that no, totally why I, mean, I, I so so what I'll, what I'll say to this is uh, I am uh, I'm not an expert in any indigenous nations uh, hereditary systems I, I, and in fact one of the biggest challenges that I've had over the last year and a half are people demanding that I go up and represent their position you know on behalf of these hereditary leaders or those hereditary leaders. Oh. And I say, look. Why do they ask you? Well, because I'm a, I'm a political oh, figure. Okay. In, you know, I'm, a, I'm an, an MLA. indigenous person who's okay. an MLA and yeah, part, yeah. Of, part of this confidence. And I mean, I, I, th- I know the answer was obvious, but I just needed yeah. to well, double check. Uh, no, know? but I just say <laughs> this to it. Like, like look, um, th- we have, we've passed a bill now that requires uh, and that allows, well, not allows, it requires indigenous uh, people and governments uh, to d- develop the well the right to self determination. Yeah, is that the, the UNDRIP? The UNDRIP? Yeah. Well, the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous. Our bill is called the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People okay. Act. Okay. Okay. And and this is the first time in the history of this country where we haven't been dictating to Indigenous people and Indigenous communities how they are to be governed. Right. We've said you can be governed how you define it you can mm-hmm. your education system is how you define it your membership is yeah. how you define it right now the membership of the community that i'm from is defined by the federal government mm-hmm. nothing could be more paternalistic or colonial than that yeah. Yeah. right so for the first time in the history of this country we have said look the definition is not ours to determine it's yours to determine like i don't think there's a people in this province that thinks that that is you know, wrong-headed in no. its approach. Ex- like, except when the control of the decision-making is given to people who are disagreeing and that then there's no vehicle by which to mediate the disagreement. That's sort well, of seen. So if you mm-hmm. have two governance processes and control is given, so in other words, back to our original analogy, so let's just say in, in the municipality of Central Saanich, there are two ways in which to get a building permit, and one of them <laughs> says you can't, and one right. says you can. Now what? What's your reaction to that? Like now, what do we do? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we have been in a situ- We've largely been in a situation here where, where there's there has been only well, not largely. We have been entirely in a situation where there's only one group to talk to. Right. Is that and the band council? The band council. You know, and and they have represented the the villages for for most for the most part. They represent the governance in the village. There has always been a large question that the that the Supreme Court of Canada has always been struggling with in terms of the the broader territories that those people have been and were collected from and put on these posted stamp reserves. So are the, I mean, I think I think what I think I think. So the hereditary actually, chiefs represent a different boundaries uh, than the bands. Well, I like look. I think that's up to them to determine. But is that the case right now? I don't know. So are the hereditary chiefs representative of let's say ten bands? Maybe. Wow. I mean, I, I this think, is a murky the, soup. 
Well, not governance-wise. Well, but hold on a governance-wise. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold okay. on a second. Yeah, yeah, it's always been a murky suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've pretended like. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm character uh, characterizing that from my eyes. Well, maybe no, it's not no, a murky it, soup. It always has oh, been a murky okay. soup. Okay. But we've pretended like it's not. We've said, okay. oh, we'll just talk to the group that we created. Okay. And right. there's been great, great internal strife within indigenous communities. Really? Over the I fact didn't know that this. over the fact that, you know, who has the authority? Right. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't have the authority? So what, is, we've, what we've said in our province is let us know. Figure it out. Work work it through. Like and we is that your the, message when you went up there? Well, your no, message I, was to no, look. There, no. there's there's a decision making here. Decision no. making here. I went. We up there. can't solve it for you. Can you please? I'm here to help facilitate that. Nope. No, my message. I had no message when I went up there. I went up there with a great deal of humility to understand what the my goal in that was. I I grew up. On a reserve, I grew up under the uh, Indian Act Band Council. I know, I know the conditions that those leaders are making decisions under. I know the conditions in our communities across the province. I wanted to go up and learn about the Wet'suwet'en Indigenous, the, the the history of the Indigenous, uh, the, their their sophisticated governance structure that has existed for hundreds, thousands of years. I went up to learn about this hereditary system. I came back no expert in it. I came back only slightly more educated than I was. But what I did understand was that it's a completely different perspective than the one that we view governance in. And it's one, in fact, which I think our modern British Columbia society could learn a lot from. Uh, As an example, uh, one of the things that I learned about that governance structure was that the, the hereditary system the, the, being a hereditary chief is one uh, is a, is a position of burden, and I think that as a as an elected official, if we could view our positions less as the benefits that it derives us and more as the burden that we carry on behalf of our community, we would we would govern it, our province in a different way. I, I look at there is a there's a situation that I think a misunderstanding that the hereditary system is somewhat equitable to the monarchy which you know which we have that there's a someone sitting on us on a throne making executive decisions on behalf of the people one of the very important lessons that i learned was that the the actual definition of that job is one of a and and the way it was explained to me was it's the big push i say the big push what does the big push mean well the decision is made amongst the families in the house and the job of the hereditary chief is to deliver the message to the people. Mm. To represent the families. And to be the voice, the speaker of the decision that was made. So when you ask the question, is this a a difference between generational, that this hereditary leader might make a decision? Mm. What's important to understand is that that my understanding, as it was explained to me, was that their job is to deliver the message, not to make the decision. Yeah, and, and so so it's actually very democratic, uh, right? Ex- well, in, a, in that there's a, supposed there's fair representation. That nobody's elected, but but technically, if there's ten families, the problem becomes if if potentially one or two of the families is 
is much stronger than the others. Right. <laughs> well, but, but <laughs> that's that, you know, yeah. you know like, I, I think that we have to be very careful in that we hazard and risk in evaluating what it is that's going on, uh, undermining it. Or trying to trying to um, well, I think oversimplify it. Yeah, I, I just think because I am. I think what mm-hmm. what we what we what we sh- and and what my goal was in going up there was to to get it was like a a twenty four hour trip, a thirty hour trip. So well, what like, amplified uh, it was as soon as you got back, the highways shut down, and so oh, people God. made the link. You go up, protesters. It's Adam Olson's fault. Without knowing a damn right. thing. Well, so that okay. is that is dog. That, so that was right? dog whistle. Right. That was the most unfortunate and unfair. Least, least information. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Right. And that's why and, we're doing this to get an understanding mm-hmm. of what's happening. You know, like there, there was there was nothing politically motivating those statements. Come on ridiculous I, and, the, I and the statements were ridiculous but we live the, in a day and age now when people see seven seconds in their entire decision well, yeah. making well and i is yeah. based on that and look and look, <laughs> the my job in going up there was as a provincial mla and as i said in the media the fact that i'm the fact that i went up there celebrated is is absurd there are 87 mlas in this province and they're not going up and investigating right. that situation yeah. and trying to understand the yeah. complex mm-hmm. and sophisticated governance yeah. structure. Yeah. Then, well, right then out of the who's ga- doing the job? Right, right out of the gate, I think it's it, this is an important message from this podcast: is that you went up there to investigate and understand. There is a misunderstanding that you went up there to support the hereditary chiefs and not the other twenty bands that vo- that the other councils. And so let's just get that out of the frickin' way. <laughs> well, like, look, I mean... <laughs> so that's fantastic, too. See, this is how we started. We don't know learn. what we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I went up to go, I went up and to go and learn. Ha- have I ever said that I stand with or do it? No, it's not no, my job. No. So what's next? My job is to respect... My job is to respect the, the, the decisions that... So, so what's interesting about this? My job is to respect the decisions that were made by the courts. And so they said, well, okay, hold on a second. The B.C. Supreme Court's made an injunction for this pipeline. The Supreme Court of Canada made a decision about Dalgamuk's stay-away case back in, in the late 1990s, right? So part of the real challenge that, that I face with this, uh, with, the, with the very intimate uh, understanding that I have of the of the Indian Act, uh, how it's impacted the lives of my me and my family and the people, is that you ca- we cannot. It is it is inappropriate and wrong to pick and choose which court cases we're going to say work for us and which court cases work against us. Right. And that, frankly, gentlemen, is what the provincial and federal governments have been doing for a very long time, and to the detriment. Of this province. And so I'm sure that there's a lot of people in my riding that are confused. And, and in ridings across... And, and, and frankly... And not I just Frank, across Canada. And re- Frank, that's yeah. The way it's and been. not about just this issue, but no. any issue. Yeah. That's, <laughs> now we get like the CNN moment all the time. Well, that's how we, yeah. the life we're in. <laughs> I, I have a responsibility to do a job. And that job is to, as intimately as I can, understand the full complexity of the problem. 
and I happen to be part of a governance structure and, uh, and, uh, and a political system that for the past two decades has been simplifying everything. It's all about jobs. It's all about economic development. It's all about, it's all about this or that simple message. This narrative or that narrative that sells, that helps push people to my party or their, and, and to move them away from that party. That fundamentally is the thing that is letting us down. And so I can understand why people are confused. I can understand why people um, are emotional about, uh, well, I know why people are emotional about the ferries being shut down. It, really not a very smart, in, in my opinion, not a very smart decision on behalf of, of people who are standing in support of someone where they turn the public against it. That's mm -hmm. not a smart thing to do. Although, on the other hand, we have the right to peaceful assembly in this, and it was it, it, the, well, the police did their job, and it, yeah. it was over. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I've been advocating on behalf of uh, Peninsula businesses for about ten years, and and on issues of uh, affordable housing and transportation and skilled trades, there is a business of advocacy. It's an entire business, and within yeah. it are strategies on how to dis get your message to the public. And how not mm -hmm. to. And how not to. So it's not just this issue. It is a way that somebody has chosen to highlight this issue and frankly, as your friend, took advantage of you. Okay? That was not by coincidence. That was the day after that that happened. Okay? That was a, a natural link and I, I, I personally am I'm annoyed with that. They took advantage of what you were doing and the misunderstanding of why you were up there. Well, okay. I'm misrepresenting oh, it. Misrep yeah. Now, now. But, so, but what's next? How do we okay. get those two yeah. governance systems to agree on what's next? There or anywhere in BC. Well, it, and, and we're, everybody's talking now, too, that it's coming to a tipping point. And... We we're gonna we're gonna be victims of the same comments we're making of oversimplifying it. Is we can't come up with a solution on a podcast. But yeah, what what is <laughs> what is next down the road to start something? Because right now it's a standoff, right? So how do we how do we fix that? What do you think? Uh, well, we should remove fix. No, what are your what. thoughts? Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. Yeah, you're right. I'll mm -hmm. tell you what. Um, my work is going to be to demand uh, more accountability in the way we talk about this from at a provincial government level. Glib statements are not helpful. Uninformed this is a done statements. Deal. You know, <laughs> statements like, this is a done deal, this is going to happen anyway, you should get over it, you should get on with it, those kind of statements are not helpful. Again, those are simplifying statements that... that uh, that only further inflame a situation that doesn't need more flames on it. I, so, so that's the that's the first thing. Yeah. The second thing is is that this situation has taken 180 years or 200 years in British Columbia. It's a fairly young uh, situation. It's the 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 uh, you know the the last province um, the last province of the, the last british colony mm -hmm. uh, in canada um, i think only hong kong is is a more recent british colony than british columbia mm -hmm. i think we have to understand that even though this is a fairly recent phenomenon in this province that it has evolved over 
a number of generations. And that just because we've made the decision that we're going to pass the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People Act and that a growing population of people in British Columbia have become sympathetic to the challenges that Indigenous people have faced for a, a number of generations doesn't mean that this problem fixes itself overnight. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the challenges with our modern society is we've made the decision that we want it to change, so why hasn't it changed? Right? And it's like, well, it should change now because we decided that it's going to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you and I've yeah. had these discussions a yeah. lot over this time. Is a, this, is a, this is a situation that, that plays out through patience. So, so what, but, but what, okay, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to use the, the, the misunder, the misunderstanding point of view. Sure. I'm coming from a misunderstanding, lack of knowledge point of view, okay? So if, 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 if I'm given the advice that, that helping solve this scenario is to have patience and to work together, I don't see an outcome of that. I, 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 I just... I don't know how you get to the finish line. Am well, I seeing that? Is that? And I don't think I'm. I think no. I know that's a, a, a misinformed opinion. Well, but it is the opinion of but, a lot of people. But you, also, like when you look on, say, Facebook, and you see news posts, and this is where it's misinformed facts being informed to people directly. You see video of people with jerry cans and tires and cutting trees. And we saw a story of professional protesters from Ontario coming out and setting these things up. I understand patience and time to make the two sides, or, or all the sides, because we're talking governments and councils and hereditary chiefs and everybody, work together. But what, what do we do right now about those things that we see being misinformed, but also it, it we're starting to fall, I think, a little bit into that uh, media frenzy we see south of the border where now we see imminent danger because that gets clicks and it gets views and people watch that video because they think something's going to happen and it's going to be bad. So patience is not going to fix that panicky feeling that people are getting from the news. How do, what do we do, do about well, that right now? Like what, what's I think you and I and Adam are doing something directly about it, trying to use digital means to educate people. Yeah. I mean, I've learned more in an, in an hour here than I have in three to four months of, of watching this, this news on, on, on TV or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Well, and perspective makes the truth. That's, you know, that's a, the issue, right? As a business consultant, as someone who's owned business all my life, there have been terrible conflicts between staff in the businesses I've run. And what I have done is I've said, we're all going to get into one room and we're going to accelerate communication, not decrease communication. We're going to talk more about the issue, not hide it or ignore it. That has worked every single time. What is the difference between that? that and what you're advocating? Well, Because there's no that, solution that to that. Just all let's get in a room and talk about it. There's no solution to that. This, this <laughs> but it works. Right. <laughs> this is not, I mean, to the greatest extent, this is not on the indigenous people of this province. This is on this province. This is on the provincial government that we elect. Mm -hmm. that's, where the, that's where the responsibility of this falls. Now, and, and this provincial government made a decision to proceed with LNG Canada. 
Did they do the business? Did they, did they address the 20-year issues with the Wet'suwet'en people, the Delgamukh-Stay-Away case, the one where they, the court said, you need to go back and retry this, and the, and the Wet'suwet'en people went into uh, the, the treaty process, and only after, only after last January where, where we're seeing those really awful images that nobody in this province likes to see, where the police are moving in, is there a table struck for the first time in the history of this province? A table is struck to have a conversation about the the wet so the the Delgamuth case. So they've, the, been, they've been floundering, and they you know. It, so the, the simplest of, of solutions is the most complex of solutions, and one you're advocating for more dialogue. Well, like that's what like, you've been well, saying. We, I think right, <laughs> absolutely, and and I think and, and I I'm, think I'm reinforcing that because that's yeah. actually what business does. <laughs> we need to stop. We need to, in my opinion, we need to put the responsibility where it lay. When that decision was made, I just asked the question because I don't, I don't have a, a great answer for it. But I just asked the question. When the decision was made to go and make the announcement that, that this provincial government, which is different from the first provincial government that was working on LNG, yeah. made the decision to approve LNG Canada, and there was all, all the wonderful pictures that were taken with you know the, the leadership of this province and the leadership of Canada, and they're happy to announce all of that, was the job done? When, when, when we ask the question about what's going on up there in the Wet'suwet'en territory right now, it's very easy to blame the Indigenous people who are confusing with their leadership and their governance and all of that. Let's ask of our government that we elect 87 members of this legislature, was the job done? Now, the courts have said the permits were filed, but were the social issues Obviously not. Well, and, and the fact that you're the only MLA that's gone up there on a, a mission to understand speaks loudly Volumes. of where our problem in communication lies. And, we, and I mean, so we can even point out leadership's been up there and, and wouldn't meet with them. So that, that sends its own specific message. So Since I was up there, there's been, a, there's been a table struck. The Minister of Indigenous Has Relations has been yep. up there a bunch of times. Oh, right? Okay. Right? So, I mean... So well done. Like part of my work was to say, look, we need to yeah. be up here. And, and being up here and being visible up here, you know, had its impact in whatever way it had its impact. And, you know, what, whatever happens here with the, the local issues that... Like, look, this is not a, this is a hazardous business that I'm in, right? So that's fine. <laughs> well, yeah. I accept that. The, the, the question is, though, is that it's so easy to say that the indigenous people of this province and this country haven't got it figured out. I think what it's much more difficult to, to acknowledge and to accept is that a lot of the confusion has been created by the laws that the federal government created through the Indian Act, and that a lot of the confusion has been created because we've not had the dialogue over the period of time to sort it out. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we just expect it all to go away. And it never has gone away. And at what point are we going to say expecting it to go away is just so, not good enough? So then, so then our podcast today, which frankly we hope might be one of a series with you, sure. is, is, is a, a pebble on a beach of conversations that are going on to better understand and to better work towards a, a solution for all communities. And how about we leave it at that? Yes. That that's where we're at. Because mm -hmm. really that's what's being... Is that not what you're... 
That's what we're all well, wanting to better understand yeah. and have everyone be involved in a solution. And and most challenges come from lack of communication. And by you going up there, you've started the, the conversation. So it's great to hear that that ministers are going up there and hopefully more. And we can continue the conversation and get a better understanding because it sounds to me like the root of all of these problems or all of these challenges is that people aren't talking to each other. Um, yeah, well, and, and, and we have some we have some very divisive, intentionally divisive legislation that mm-hmm. has created mm-hmm. internal strife in indigenous communities deliberately so that then narratives can be constructed that continue to divide, uh, that continue to simplify. Um, the, nobody, I think, when, when, when this podcast started, it was pointed out that there's two pipelines. What's really fascinating that, that you know, is, is not being pointed out that while the, you know, the uh, Indian Act uh, banned councils are being celebrated as in full support of one pipeline, that there's Indian Act banned councils that are being chastised as being outside of support of, of the other pipeline. Mm-hmm. So even, even in the narratives through the media and through our government officials and f- through everybody, even the narratives are not consistent with each other, but it doesn't matter. Because well, forever, because forever in this country, the burden, the bucket of water has been carried by indigenous people. And they've Well, been, that's got to end. Absolutely. And we're, and, and we're, and we're, doing, we're doing our little pebble but, on the beach to try to yeah. end that. And, I, and, I, and you want right. to positive, so you wanted positive conversations in this. Yes, yes. And this has largely been one of, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Research. Yeah. But I'll, but I'll research. say this. Let me, let me end with this. Yeah. Because in 2008, I got elected uh, as a, as a counselor in the district of Central Saanich. My sister um, was on uh, Sartlip First Nations Council for a year before that. And uh, we had our first meeting. It was a community to community forum. And it was one of the toughest meetings that I ever had. The, uh, because it became very clear to me how much division there was between the First Nation reserve that I grew up in and the community that I love and grew up in in Central Saanich. And, and really, we live right on the border, right on the other side of the road is, is the other side. We live on the reserve. On the other side of the road is, is the municipality. Saanich, yeah. right? mm-hmm. and, and we're technically, Sartlip is technically within the district of Central Saanich. It highlighted to me just how little communication there was between the municipality and the First Nation community. Um, when I went to the UBCM, it highlighted to me just how far apart local governments and First Nations were right across the country, uh, right across the province. It was, it, was, it, was, it was an emotional experience for me. It was very sad to see, you know, my, disconnect. My, uh, my heritage, the conflict between, you know, my mom's side of the family, which is a European background, and my dad's side of the family, which is of indigenous background, the conflict between the two parts of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through, I, was, I got reelected, and in 2012, uh, I don't know more happened. And this was really the first point that I, that I can, that I can yeah, look at to say a sea change started to happen in our country. And so in the decade that I've been in governance, 
there has been a massive change in this. So while I am still lamenting ancient legislation which has created division in our communities, the confusion which has been created that has come out of it, the substantial challenges that we're facing uh, with various pipeline projects that were brought forward under one set of rules and now you know there's other sets of rules. Through that, I don't know more happens, a massive sea change, people starting to understand Indigenous cultures in ways that they haven't. My, my time in the legislature has really been marked with standing up and speaking Senchokan language. Others, the, the, the Lieutenant Governor, her honour, coming in and speaking Senchothan, the, the representative of the Queen, learning the language of this local place with, with a pure heart in a, way that, in, in a way that's never happened before. The, the, the previous Lieutenant Governor leaving and saying, the biggest work that we have in front of us now is reconciliation and, and finding a way forward in this. And then culminating that with saying, we actually have to change the laws in our country so that what happened in the Wet'suwet'en, what happened in the Wet'suwet'en territory, what happened with Coastal Gaslink, what happened with uh, Trans Mountain, can't happen again. We have to fundamentally change the way that we dialogue and engage people. That has changed. The, the Bill 41, now the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People Act, has fundamentally changed the way we in, the rules of engagement and the, the decisions that are going to be coming out of that will be different. Now, we are in this weird period of time right now where there's this expectation on one side that the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People Act fundamentally changed what happened in the past overnight. And we've been consistently saying that's not realistic, it's not possible, it's not going to happen. This is actually about a long-term project. The long-term project that got us to where we're at today is going to require a long-term project to undo and get us to a different place where we, where we hopefully want to be in the future. So all of this, all the emotion, all the frustration that I've expressed in this, all of the frustration that has been expressed about me and to me about this or about that, about whatever, I accept because we've been accepting that forever. What I don't accept is that 20 years from now that we're in exactly the same position that we're in today. I don't accept that. And so that's the work that I've been doing to try to make those changes. Well, Kelly, I think, I think we've been lucky to, to hear from Adam today. Mm -hmm. And we've been, we're, I think we're better people uh, than an hour ago because we understand what we didn't know. Right. And that is what we're here to do, is to try to uh, educate and, and bring some detail to what our, you know, we, 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 both Kelly and I are involved with social media, marketing and branding and promoting, and know how it's changed the way we disseminate information. And we, and, and so therefore we have to break through that. Yeah. And it, I hope well, we can continue a, a dialogue with you. You better put a pretty killer title on this or else nobody's going to listen to it. Because you know, you know the way to attract someone's attention on social media is... Oh, I think we'll get attention. To make a killer headline. Yeah. Adam, thank you. Yeah. Thank, yeah. You, yeah. thank so you so much. much. Till we chat again. See you, bud. Yeah.